0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at FUMCBentonville.org or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok.
1: We are really excited about this opportunity that we have all to read the Bible together. And as I mentioned, we are starting with Matthew And we are centering in the story of our faith. And we will do that today by starting actually with a genealogy. And I know pretty soon here, I'm gonna start having other people read the scriptures. Um, I'm sure they're glad I didn't start that this week. Here we go. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Matthan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 generations from the exile to Babylon to the Christ. And then from chapter 2. When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took the child and his mother to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I have called my son out of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray, amen. So my mom has 20 brothers and sisters. Yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs>
1: seriously. She is one of 21, and I, you know, people always, they, they, they've got questions, and they want to be nice about it. So, that the question I usually get is, so all the same, Mom? <laughs> no. Um, some of those are half brothers and sisters, um, but they are all blood-related. and. And the, the also reality is is they don't all know each other either. So uh, very famously my mom and my aunt Vicki would tell this story about the fact when they were at a bar one night and they were talking with one of their brothers and one of their other brothers came up and was visiting with them. And then the first brother asked my aunt Vicki to dance and um, the other one who had come up said, now you be careful with her. That's my sister. And he, the other guy said, uh, that's my sister too. And my mom and Aunt Vicki said, surprise! <laughs> and I'm so grateful to my mom, who has done the hard work of figuring out all the genealogy of this. She works on our, on our genealogy all the time. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that she identifies who our relatives are, because now that I can date again, you know, it is really dangerous. <laughs> me to date, especially in Oklahoma, and we're right close to Oklahoma, so, you know, it could be a dicey situation, so it's good to know who my first cousins are, you know, you want to know, you want to know that right out of the gate there, so, um, and that's really the purpose of genealogies, actually, is that it's to help us know who our family is, right? It centers us in our, in a story, And, and in fact, we might say that our family is our first story, that Whoever it is, however it forms us, that family is our first story. It is our beginning, middle, and our end. We usually find ourselves in the middle. Um, It is our past, our present, and our future. It's this unfolding of this plot of our life that we are centered in, in knowing who our family is and how it shapes us. And that's why it's important for us to look at this genealogy, and I'm sure that's why Matthew opens up This Gospel with Jesus's genealogies because Matthew is deliberately centering Jesus in a story and he what he's doing is bridging this reality of this um, Jewish faith that we have stood on and then what that means as the Christ comes into our world and If we look at what what Matthew does with this genealogy He's making very specific claims for Jesus that end up being also claims for us and for our faith so the very fact that 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 Matthew points out that David is in Jesus's family line that Jesus comes out of this Davidic line Means that Matthew is laying claim to this identity that Jesus is king He is in this legitimate kingly line but then Matthew backs it all the way up to Abraham and Abraham, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Abraham is the father of the Jewish faith. And so, by the very fact that he puts Jesus in this family of Abraham, then he lays claim to the fact that Jesus is a Jew and stands on that Jewish faith. And in many ways, is the fulfillment of this hope for this Jewish Messiah, right? But then, I didn't read this part of the, of the genealogy, but there's, there's something very striking about Matthew's genealogy in that he mentions four women. Um, he mentions uh, Tamar and Ruth and Rahab and Bathsheba. And what is interesting and striking about those women is that at the very least, two of them are not of the Jewish They are Gentile women. And Matthew is pointing out that Jesus has the Gentiles in his family tree as well. And so Jesus is not just the Jewish Messiah, but is for all of us. We are all in Jesus's family line. In many ways, what Matthew does with this Genealogy is he lays claim to a new genesis, a new beginning. He takes all that has gone before and includes it all and culminates it here in Jesus and then points to what this is going to mean as we move forward. And I got to tell you, I think there's, there's times when we all feel like we need a new beginning, when we need a new genesis, right? When it comes to family besides being our foundational story family is often the time, the thing that we are struggling with as well to try and find our place within it no family is perfect all families have their bit of, of dysfunction and sometimes i think it seems when we see that family patterns repeat over and over and over again even when we know about them they they tend to come back over and over and over again it feels like there's this undeniable pull pull of genetics right Uh, There have been recently they've they've released some some studies that some scientists have been doing over the last 20 years in which they have studied doppelgangers Do you know what a doppelganger is it's somebody who looks just like you but doesn't seem to have any family relation to you Well, what they have found is that doppelgangers actually do have some dna in common But what is interesting over the course of the 20 years that they've studied them is how much their behavior parallels one another and, and it makes it seem like that that genetic code then predetermines who we are. When, when I think about this story, I think about um, when we first moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I was so excited. I had a two-year-old, and the Fort Worth Zoo is one of the top ten best zoos in the nation. So, I was like, okay, I'm going to take my kid to the Fort Worth Zoo, and so we get to the zoo and I was even like, I'm gonna rent one of those little wagons to pull him around in. So he has a nice little ride. Spent my twelve dollars on the wagon. He rode in at five minutes, and then just did the ah and I ended up carrying him and pulling a wagon. So didn't really work out for me all that well. But then the other striking thing that happened while we were at the zoo is that he did not care about the hippos or the elephants or the giraffes. He only cared about the water. Like, the hippos were playing in the water, and he was like, water, water. And then we walked by a water fountain, and he was all, water, water. And then there was some water running on the ground, and he was like, water. And I was like, man, I could have stayed at home and turned on the faucet and done just as good with this kid, right? Saved myself the time and the money and the energy and all of that. But the crazy thing was it, because I know my own family story, I called my mom from the parking lot and told her what had happened, and she fell out laughing. Because when I was two years old my parents on a family vacation drove a hundred miles out of their way to take me to the St Louis Zoo one of the top ten zoos in the nation and guess what I cared about The water that's all I pointed at the water fountain, the water, the water on the ground, water Water, water, water. My parents were like we could have just rented a hotel room and turned on the faucet, right? <clears throat> what is going on there? Why in the world at age two would both myself and my son be obsessed with water at a zoo? Well, I mean like we both must have been thirsty right or some sort of you know primordial Insecurity about whether there was gonna be water. I don't know, but it I sat there and thought this has to be genetic I did not tell this kid you should really be obsessed with the water when we get to the zoo It's so strange, and it makes it seem like genetics are sort of predestination. Like, because of our genetic code, we have to behave in a certain way. And we can even see within this story of Jesus's early childhood, birth even, that that family patterns seem to be repeating, right? So, we know that Jesus stands in this tradition with Moses, and Moses and Jesus were both threatened by rulers as babies, one by the Pharaoh, one by Herod, and had to flee and had to be tucked away and saved to eventually come bring salvation to their people. But also, back up even further, and, you know, Joseph ends up in Egypt as a result of being sold into slavery, and then Joseph's whole family relocates to Egypt because of the threat of famine. Famine. They find themselves there, and they have to go to Egypt to to be safe themselves. And then here comes Jesus' family having to flee from Herod to find safety in Egypt. So we not only have a new Genesis here, we have a new Exodus. But there's an important thing to note about this, that the family pattern doesn't exactly repeat. Because when the people leave Egypt the first time, they are fleeing slavery, And they are doing so under duress and being hunted and chased after. But Jesus' family comes back peacefully from Egypt. Having been kept safe there, they now return to bring out of their own freedom, to bring this new freedom to the world, to bring this new salvation to the world. And so Jesus, in his story, also heals Egypt Heals that rift egypt is now not this place to be feared and reviled But it is a place that gave the savior refuge for a while He changes the exodus story and heals it And I will tell you my friends jesus can heal your story too As I mentioned we all have dysfunction in our families Sometimes it's that we're obsessed with water when we're two years old, but sometimes it's addiction or abuse Sometimes it's all kinds of brokenness. And periodically we all need a new way of being and we need the freedom to be able to do that. So if genetics are the predestination, then Jesus is the freedom and free will that breaks the hold of that predestination and says you don't have to be that way. My grace will break your chains. You can be new. And I will give you a new family to strengthen you for it. So we are given... A new genesis, we are given a new exodus, we are given new freedom in that we are given this new family. But the way we are shaped as a family is to know our story. And that's why that's why I want us to read it. There's value in this story, there's value in knowing our foundation, there's value in knowing who we are as a family. And some of the strength that we draw from it is exactly that. We draw strength. We draw a foundation. We draw a, an identity as the people of love, called to love God and love neighbor. But some of the value of this story is to remind us what we don't want to be. How many of you all have ever said, I can't believe I turned into my parents, right? Um, <laughs> well, some of the stories in this book are to remind us that humanity is far from perfect. There is much to be aware of. And there are choices to be made against. And, and knowing this story gives us guidance in how to do that. We have a new family. And a new family story. And this is our foundation. This is what we center in. This is what structures who we are. This is who we are as the family of faith. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And Jesus can heal us of whatever brokenness we're struggling with. So my friends, welcome to the new beginning. Welcome to the new found freedom. Welcome to the story. And welcome to the family of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from first United Methodist church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect to participate in worship through giving. You can give online at FUMCBentonville.org or on Venmo at F U M C Bentonville. F U M C Bentonville welcomes all because we believe the communion table is God's table. We invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.